So <clears throat> we're very thankful that you are here, and my subject this morning is, Who Do Men Say That We Are? Christ asked his disciples, who do, men, who do men say that I am? And as we read the scripture, some say John the Baptist, some say Jeremiah, Elijah, some say one of the prophets. His second question is, who do you say that I am? Peter knew, it was revealed to him through the Father, that Jesus Christ was the Lord. But Peter had no clue on what Jesus Christ was about to do. In fact, he tried to stop Christ from going to the cross. Peter understood the identity of Christ, but it took him a good long time to understand his own identity in Christ. So let me ask you, who do men say or who have men said that you are. I'm talking about family, friends, neighbors, and those who have communicated with you verbally or non-verbally. What kind of information did you receive from them based to base somewhat your identity today? Who you are today? Who you think people think you are? We were taught either we have worth or that we are worthless. And whether we accepted the opinion of those people that were very important to us or whether we decided that um, we're going to reject that and we're going to actively deny what I have heard all my life, and so we set out and we build an identity based on achievement power, or possessions. It doesn't matter either way, really. It's just the point is that others have played a significant role in our identity, who we think that we are. And it's also true spiritually. Most of us haven't learned to trust what God says is true about us. It's really difficult for us to trust God in that respect. It may be that we grew up with false impressions on who God was and what God stands for. My wife grew up in a Christian home, and she, I can remember several times she woke up and she thought, she had a dream that she wasn't ready when Jesus came. So there are some beliefs that every one of us will face the judgment bar of God, which is not true, but that's what they believe. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you already passed through the judgment. You passed through it. You accepted Christ as your personal Savior, and you were saved you were secure until the day that Christ brings us home. Now, there are some who believe that 
We're going to stand before the judgment bar, everyone. The Christian is going to stand before the judgment bar and give an account for the use of his talents. And what happens if we haven't used our talents? Then they expect that, I don't know if they think that somehow in heaven that if you use all your talents, you're going to get a mansion, or you're going to get a special home. I don't know what goes through their mind. But I grew up, not, in a Christ, not being a Christian, but I grew up believing that if you were good, you'd go to heaven, and if you're bad, you're going to go to hell. So it's hard to accept the lies we tell ourselves and replace those lies with our real identity that's been handed to us by God. Back in March, I asked the question, where are we going as a church? I mentioned that we could become a church where our only interest is to believe that you can depend upon Christ living in us to be sufficient enough for our, for our living our life on a daily basis. I also mentioned that it was our destiny. Our destiny is about loving others and teaching the exchange life in Christ. That God initiates and man is the responder. We love God because he first loved us. God has made a way for you and I to love one another. And for some of us, it wasn't easy when we found Christ. The way that he has provided us, this he's injected into us, the very life of Christ, that Christ lives in us. It's known as the exchange life in Christ. Man's life exchanged for Christ's life. And here is where we discover the most unbelievable life that could we, we could possibly get. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says we have been given a standing, a total acceptance before God. In Romans 5.1 it says we have peace with God. Now we have these things. We have peace with God. In Romans 5.9 it says that we are, are saved from God's wrath. In Romans 8, 1, it says that we will never face the judgment. We pass through the judgment when we accepted Christ as our personal Savior. So we will never face the judgment. In Hebrews 10, 14, it says we have been made perfect forever. Philippians 3, 20, we are citizens of heaven. In Galatians 2, 20, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Now that seems to be very hard for us to comprehend. Christ living in me. So my question to you this morning is, do, do you genuinely believe that Christ lives in you? Do you believe that you are, what the Bible says, that you are a new creation? 2 Corinthians 5.17, the Bible says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
The old has gone, the new has come. In 1 John 4, 17, the Bible says this, Love is made complete. In this way, love is made complete among us who so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world, the Bible says we are like him. We are like Christ because Christ lives in us and through us. So the Bible says that we are like Christ. But so oftentimes I hear, yes, I, I can see those texts. I can understand some of those texts, but I still sin. And that's the concern that I have. I still sin. And sometimes I question whether I'm even born again. So let's see what happens when we become a Christian. God intervenes in our life. God is the initiator. We are the responder. So even before we accepted Christ as our personal Savior, He initiated a contact with us through the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so now he, he intervenes in our life. And he kills our old self. He kills it. The Bible says you are a new creation. In order for you to be a new creation, something has to die within you. And that was self. He created us for good works. I can't tell you through the years how many programs I've seen to get people active in the church. You were created to do good works. And that's what you do. You do good works. That's who you are. He gives us a new human spirit, a new heart. You are totally brand new. But if you're the average Christian, you're saying, then I've got a problem. If I'm brand new, there's something wrong here. No, you are. You are brand new, and we'll find out what was wrong. He permanently seals you with the Holy Spirit. Permanently. When you ask Jesus Christ to come into your life... I don't care if you are 10 years old, 12 years old, or 80 years old. The moment that you invited Christ in your life, he sealed you unto the day of redemption. Now, whether you want to believe it or not, it's true. You've been sealed unto the day of redemption. He gave you a new identity. You are now a child of God. Whether you believe it or not, it's true. You are. When you invited Christ in your life, you became his child. There are many Christians that are caught between extremes as they look at the Christian life. And it doesn't make any difference what sign is outside of that church. It doesn't make any difference whether it's Catholic, Episcopalian, Baptist, Presbyterian, Methodist, it doesn't make any difference. When a person asks Christ into their life, they are born again. 
They are a new creature in Christ. Trying to understand Christ living in you, it sounds vague, I know, but it's true. But the majority of people are caught between the orthodox way of believing, and believe me, I understand that way. The orthodox way is the only way for many, many churches. It's the only way. You've got to go back to the Bible. You've got to believe the Bible, which is all true. But you've got to believe the way they interpret the Bible. And that may not be true. And then, of course, there's the other extreme, and that is the name and claim it experience. That somehow you can manipulate God just by having enough faith to do what you want him to do. And that's, we've already discovered, that's contrary to Scripture. God is always the initiator. We are the responder. We don't become the initiator and expect God to be the responder. That's not the way it works. Well, how does it really work then? Well, it all starts with trusting God. And the first thing that we need to do is trust God about the sin issue. In 2 Peter 1.9, it says this, But anyone who does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. And the problem is that too many of us have forgotten what Christ has done. He took away the sins of the world, and we are forgotten that we have been cleansed from our past. Our past is past. There's nothing we can do about it. It's gone. It's done. And he's cleansed us from our past. Failure to recognize and trust that the sin issue between God and you is over will, will ultimately keep you from spiritual growth. Satan wants us to be preoccupied with the past, with feeling of guilt over past sins. And what we need to do is just simply trust the fact that Jesus Christ did it all on the cross. He paid the penalty for all sin, and the sin issue is truly over. It's the same way with forgiveness. In Ephesians 1.7, the Bible says, In him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sin in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Once again, forgiveness is something that the Christian lives in continually. We are living in a state of forgiveness. Too many of us are totally preoccupied with the things that God has dealt with once and for all. It seems so difficult for us to comprehend it and believe it. In Romans 6.10, the Bible says, The death he died, he died to sin once for all. Once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So Christ died for sin once for all. Hebrews 9.26 
then Christ would have to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But now he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. I don't know how plainer the Bible could make it. He did away with our sins. In 1 Peter 3.18 it says, For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God. The true gospel message frees us to get our eyes off of ourselves and place them on Christ. Your forgiveness means that you can forget about your past. You don't have to go there. Now, for years, I would go to Rolling Thunder up in Washington, D.C. And on Friday evening on Constitution Avenue, there used to be all the Vietnam veterans would get together. And the last time I went there, there was just a few of us. And we would talk about the past. A lot of times, some of those folks never, never lived beyond. And they would go over and over. They'd dress just like they did then. And they would go over the old war stories. And the Bible says that the past is past. You've got to move on. It was very difficult for some of them to move on. Some of the things that they experienced, it's not easy. Your acceptance in Christ, and that's exactly what every one of us needed, your acceptance means that you can forget about if you're good enough. Forgiveness means you can put it in the past. Acceptance means you don't have to worry whether you're good enough. Whether you're living up to everything that you're supposed to. And your closeness to God means you can forget about trying to get closer. Sometimes it saddens me when I see seminars and all sorts of different programs so that you can get closer to God. You can't get any closer than what you are. Christ lives in you. That's as close as you'll ever get. It doesn't make any difference how many, how many hours you pray. It doesn't make any difference how often you read your Bible. That has nothing to do with being closer to God. You're as close to God as you'll ever get. And that is the good news of the gospel. Christ lives inside of you. Let him. Let him do it. If you're going to change, let him change. I've said it before that for 20-some years I talked to God about a certain issue that I had. And I said, finally I came to the place and I said, Lord, I've talked to you about this for over 20 years. And I said, if you're not concerned about it, then I'm not concerned about it. I'm going to let it go. I'm not going to ask you about it. I'm not going to talk to you about it again. If you're not concerned, I'm not concerned. We need to let God be God. 
Let him take care of our, our situation. The Bible says that he's going to recreate us into his image. Let him do it. Let him do it. You don't have to get into the act. Let him do it. And he will do it. Romans 6, 5. If we have been united with him in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Listen, look at the impact of that scripture. But he who unites himself, you united yourself with God when you ask him to come into your life. And then he says that you are one with him in spirit. Romans 6.11 in the same way, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. When those bad things go through your mind, you can say, I'm dead to that. Count yourself dead to sin. And so when that when that bad thought comes through your mind, you can say, no, I'm dead to that. If you fly off the handle and do say something you shouldn't have said, you can say, no, I'm dead to that. And I'm alive to God. But the truth is, and this is where it becomes very difficult. The truth is that it's really not you. It's not you. Paul says it's the power of sin that dwells in him, but he says it's not me. It's not me. It's the same with you. You have been born again. You have been spiritually alive. You are partakers of a new nature. You are partakers of Christ's nature. And that is a fact, and I can prove it to you. I can absolutely prove it to you. I can prove it to you every day. Because when you sin, the moment that you give in to sin, you regret it. And you're miserable. Because it's not your nature to sin. You can sin, but it's not your nature to you have been listening to the power of sin. You have been listening to the flesh, but you are not the flesh and you are not the power of sin. It's something that is in every single human being born. But you also have a choice. You can listen to the Spirit of God and depend on Christ for being fulfilled. Because you're new. You're a new you. But you're still learning and growing in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. In 2 Peter 3, 18, the Bible says, But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I know that there are millions of Christians who are trying to sort out 
how they are a new creation, a new creation in Christ, dead to sin and alive to God, and yet still get those bad, sinful thoughts going through the mind. The power of sin offers tempting thoughts. That's what the power of sin does. That's what the flesh does. It offers tempting thoughts. But then what trips us up, it accuses us of generating those thoughts. The Bible says Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And so he accuses us of generating those thoughts. And then, when that happens, then comes shame. And then they feel there's no hope. And they start down that path of entertaining thoughts like, I must not really be born again. If I was, if I, was I wouldn't be thinking those thoughts. It's not you thinking those thoughts. It's the power of sin. It's the flesh that is tempting you and then accusing you when you fall. No matter your struggle, no matter what it is, it doesn't make any difference. Sin is sin. It, do, it doesn't make any difference. But what if someone told you that you are not the source, then what would you think? You are not the source of those thoughts that go through your mind. Would that be a sense of freedom to you? It's really not me. It's the power of sin, whatever that is. It's the flesh, whatever that is. Is all I know is that I am not the power of sin. I am a child of God. I've been born again. I've been born of God, born of the Spirit. So I know who I am. But this power of sin, this flesh that I have to struggle with, I'll no doubt be struggling with that all of my life here on this earth. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says that we are a new creation. That's what the Bible says. Every single one of us here, sitting here, are a new creation. Every single one of us sitting here, according to 1 Corinthians 2, 16, we have the mind of Christ. Every single one of us have the mind of Christ. Ephesians 2, 10, it says we are God's workmanship. In other words, all of us are growing in the knowledge of God. Ephesians 2.6, we are spiritually seated with Christ. Spiritually, we're already there. Spiritually. What if you are truly what God says? What if you really are who God says you are? You are perfect. You are complete. 
He's not asking you how you feel. He's asking you who you are. It's not like he's up there and he doesn't really see us who we are. Or he doesn't really know. No, he tells us who we are in Scripture. He tells us that we are perfect forever. He doesn't tell you that you're going to feel perfect, that you're going to act perfect. No, he doesn't say that. But he says you are perfect. You are perfect forever. And what happens when our view of ourselves disagrees with God's view? Who's right? God's right. God's right. And God says who you are. What about all those passages like the new life, the new creation, or being born again, born of the Spirit, born of God? That's what God says happened to you. That's what God says you are. You're a child of his. And believe me, we are heaven ready on the inside. We are heaven ready on the inside because of what God has done to us and through us. So the challenge that you and I have is simply trust God. Trust him. Trust him that he has made you new. You are a brand new you. Yes. Yes, we get tempted. Yes, the power of sin overtakes us sometimes. Yes. But we are not that power of sin. We are not the flesh. We are spiritually made alive by God. And we are one with him. We are united with him. He is our God. We are his child. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you that we are everything that you say we are. We're thankful, Lord, that, that Jesus Christ lives and dwells in us. We're thankful that we can trust him that he's going to take care of some of the issues that we have in our life some of the struggles that we are going through he's going to do it because he promised he would do it and so we believe it today and we thank you for it and we pray that as we go throughout this day that we'll leave here with that thought that he truly does dwell within us and that he has made us perfect forever. We thank you and we praise you for what you have done. In Jesus' name we've prayed. Amen.